Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends, and thank you for joining us again for another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations, where we talk about all things breast cancer related. This is part two of our two-part series with Stephanie Walker and Christine Hodgkin as part of our NBC webinar series hosted by Abigail Johnston. So we are continuing our deep dive in a variety of nonprofits and resources and organizations out there who are providing outstanding support services and education to those diagnosed with breast cancer. I am so excited to continue the conversation, so let's dive right in. Welcome to the conversation. And thank you guys for inviting us. We're really happy that we actually get to do an encore of this presentation. It, um, you know, it was truly a labor of love. I think it took us a really long time. We would keep thinking, I have to add this person. We have to add this organization. So we literally thought about it for months um, and brainstormed who all we wanted to add to the presentation. And, and um, you know, I want to acknowledge that we do recognize the privilege in getting sick of telling our story. We are very lucky to have lived this long with NBC and to be able to continue to share our stories. So we don't mean to discount our own stories, but yes, we're both tired of it. I have also been living with NBC since 2015. And, you know, what we really wanted to show with this presentation, and I think that Stephanie has already started this, which is showing how remarkable people touched by breast cancer can actually be. You're so much more than a patient. There is so much more to just, you know, what they say, oh, what, do you, what is it like to live with NBC? And Stephanie and I are like, oh, yeah, we could sit here for an hour and talk about our side effects, but let's talk about all the great things people are doing. So um, Stephanie kind of touched on the education and support aspects of, of advocacy. I'm going to touch on the policy and research um, parts of this, but I'll first just briefly say that I was diagnosed in April of 2015. Uh, before my diagnosis, I was a conservation biologist. So I do have a science background, and this is why I'm covering the research advocacy side of things, because that's where my interests lie. And, um, you know, I decided to leave my career as a conservation biologist to be a patient advocate full time because I really just saw a, a great need to serve patients. There just weren't that many resources for patients. And um, I, in for me in particular, I was really interested in understanding the research behind breast cancer and learning more about that. So I'll talk about that in just a bit. Um, if you can go to the next slide, we can touch on public policy advocacy. And like um, Stephanie said, this is not her wheelhouse. This is not my wheelhouse either. Um, I, I think it is amazing though. I think that this is a really crucial form of advocacy and picture here are kind of giants in this realm. Um, the only living person on this slide is Fran Visco. And I'll just pause to say, yes, we are talking about people who have passed away and we are doing that because first of all, I wanna keep saying their names and I want their legacy to live on. 
their work matters. Their work has made a difference. And even if they have passed away, it's still contributing. So yes, there will be a lot of people, but I, I don't want that to trigger you or make you feel, I mean, I can't tell you how to feel, but I want, I'm hoping that you walk away feeling inspired with what these women have done, women and men. So um, as I said, Fran Visco is the only living person on this slide. And she is the president of the National Breast Cancer Coalition. She gave a testimony in 1992 that led to the DOD Breast Cancer Research Program. So if you've heard of this program, that was started by an advocate touched by breast cancer. And over 4 billion, and I said this in my presentation at SABCS, that's billion with a B, billion dollars has been appropriated to breast cancer research. That to me is just incredible. Um, Beth Caldwell is, is also featured here. She was a civil rights attorney. She had a very loud voice, very candid. She liked to drop the F-bomb. She was unapologetic. She really made people uncomfortable, but it was really necessary to, to move the needle for metastatic patients. So she found an organization called MedUp. Um, they lobbied for research. They took their cue from the AIDS community, organizing what we call die-ins, where people literally lay on the ground to demonstrate the number of people that die each year. Um, these are very effective strategies. And she, we sadly lost her many years ago now, 2017. It was 2017. I actually got to meet her one time before she passed away. But she inspired the spinoff organization, MedUp UK, and they also have a very strong presence now in Europe. They are really active, have several campaigns. One is called I Am The 31, that represents the 31 men, women in the UK who pass every day from NBC. Catherine O'Brien was known for, uh, I mean, she was also just an extremely funny person, if you got to meet her, very witty, very sarcastic. Um, she really challenged NCI and the CDC to count all people living with MBC. And if you're not aware right now, the only people that are counted are those that have passed away from metastatic breast cancer, or if you were diagnosed de novo metastatic, which is not the majority, it's only like 68% of patients are actually de novo. So this is whole swath of people living in, in this country with metastatic breast cancer that we don't know about. <laughs> we don't know how many people we have an estimate, but she was really fighting to change that. Tori Geib was a dear, dear friend. She was also a giant in public policy advocacy. She changed the law in Ohio um, to prohibit these fail-first drug coverage policies. She did a lot of other work that I fully don't understand because, as I said, I am not good in this space. I wish she could be here to tell you how all the work that she did, but um, she had a very strong voice. And, you know, these all these women are just inspirations for us. Um, you can go to the next slide. So while some people were inspired to change policy, there are others that were inspired to raise awareness about the lack of funding, and that's specific for NBC research. So Metaviver is probably the most well-known. Um, it was founded by metastatic breast cancer patients. CJ is the only living co-founder, but to date, Metaviber is funded, I believe it's over 18 million in NBC research. Um, I said 17 million at SABCS and I got in trouble, but honestly, it says a few different things on the website. So I don't want to, don't quote me on that, but it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a volunteer led organization. Um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit, I, at San Antonio, I had to kind of rush through, but I'll talk a little bit about each of these. Um, 
Hope Scars was founded by Laura McGregor. She was inspired by somebody who had brought a scarf to her while she was enduring chemotherapy. She also actually raised her profits, went to uh, funding NBC Research. Twisted Pink was founded by Carolyn Johnson. She's an early stage survivor, huge ally, though, to the metastatic community. I don't know how she has time, but I'm always seeing her events and fundraisers, and it's all going towards metastatic breast cancer research. Metzgerades are amazing. If you haven't been to one, I highly recommend their black tie events. Um, they're basically, what is that called? Like an auction, right? It's like they, they, they have the fast talking guys and you're basically bidding on things. I mean, it's so fun. I spent so much more money than I, than I needed to because I just was having so much fun. But all that money goes to uh, MetaVibrate was started by Kelly Davis and Lisa Quinn. Cancer Couch Foundation was started by Rebecca Timlin Scalera. She has also passed away. I know she worked closely with Dr. Andy Ewald at Hopkins, which is actually where I'm treated, a basic science researcher. And Teresa's Research Foundation is a wonderful organization uh, led now by Josh Newby, but it was co-founded by him and his mother, Teresa Newby Harpole. Um, they put, she puts on, I'm sorry, she passed from NBC, but Josh really tries to honor her memory with this conference. And it's an extremely collaborative conference. He's very patient focused. So we've got a really strong advocacy presence. It happened, it'll happen in August of this year. Um, and if you're interested in learning more, you could just check out Teresa's research, or you can just look for NBC research conference. Um, Let's see. Oh, and I, I also forgot to say this at the beginning, but we actually created a PDF of this presentation. And in that PDF, we are linking every organization and every person. If they have an Instagram, if they have a Twitter account, it's linked there. So don't feel like you have to memorize everything. There's a lot of information here. So um, we will make sure we can get that to you guys if you're interested. Uh, you can go to the next slide. So as I was preparing for this talk, I was kind of researching all these you know, well-known organizations because I was like, all right, I want to make sure I'm highlighting organizations that were actually inspired by patients. And I had no idea, but all of those, those four in the bottom who are pretty big, National Breast Cancer Foundation, Breast Cancer Research Foundation, Susan G. Komen, and then the DOD, um, I forget what CVMRP stands for, Something Directed Medical Research Program, I think. Uh, those four were all inspired by either patients or people touched by cancer in some way. And um, so, you know, while some, you know, while some people are inspired to actually raise funds for cancer research, others are actually inspired to conduct research. So um, Susan Love is maybe the most well-known for this. Uh, she founded the Susan Love Foundation to accelerate breast cancer research. She is a breast surgeon and a cancer survivor herself. Um, the Metastatic Breast Cancer Project is, I really can't say enough good things about this organization. They are amazing. They uh, are, were led, I don't know who's actually leading it now. I should have looked that up, but it was originally founded by Dr. Nikhil Wagley and Dr. Corey Painter at the Broad Institute. Um, Dr. Wagley is a medical oncologist and Dr. Corey Painter is a cancer researcher and a survivor herself. So um, this is a really, it's a really cool project, but you can basically send your blood and tumor samples to NBC Project and they will then de-identify that information and then share it with, with researchers. So the, the whole idea is to accelerate discoveries faster and more efficiently through this collaboration. They were also really careful to make sure they involve patients at every step of the way from the process, from the marketing, from the promotion. So they're just an excellent example of how, you know, how, how to collaborate with patients. The Side Out Foundation was founded by Rick Dunnett after the loss of his mother to NBC. 
They're actually building a biomarker database and they're offering a precision medicine analysis for NBC patients at no cost. And like I said, any of these that you're interested in, you can definitely check out that PDF. Uh, if you could go to the next slide, please. Okay, so now we're getting into my stuff. This is where this is my comfort zone. So I originally started um, my advocacy began with a clinical trial. Well, I should say it began with a, a list. I started making a list of trials that I might actually qualify for. I was very concerned that my cancer was not going to respond. I was concerned that I would need a clinical trial, but I couldn't really find one location where I could you know, easily access the clinical trials. So I started a list of trials that I would qualify for. That list kind of turned into a spreadsheet. And eventually I realized that it might be helpful for other people. And I created my own database and website called Stormwriters Network. Don't look at my website because it's really outdated right now. I'm really far behind. Okay, so you can if you want, but just don't don't get mad because I have, I've been really busy, but um, I hope to update it in April. <laughs> but I basically have a clinical trial database there. And through my work with the NBC Alliance, I learned that, in fact, there are other organizations doing this. And I got linked up with breastcancertrials.org. They also list trials, um, but one of the things we discovered was that they were missing a lot of trials, mostly because they were very focused on breast cancer only trials. And the truth is there's a lot of phase one advanced solid tumor trials that anybody can qualify for. You could have melanoma, you could have lung, you could have breast. So what I do now is I'm basically making sure that they have no gaps. So if they're missing a trial, I'm just kind of supplementing their work with my own. And that includes a lot of advanced solid tumor trials, which you know, I've told them, I said, the truth is, as metastatic patients, if you've been on multiple lines of treatment, you're probably not going to be able to qualify for some of these breast cancer only trials, you're going to want a trial that is kind of for what they call all comers. So anybody with metastatic cancer. So they have now developed a metastatic breast cancer trial search. So it's specific to NBC. And the Alliance also has a, a really cool app called NBC Connect. You can input your information and it pulls all the data from breast cancer trials. So the three of us are all working together with the same database and um, it'll tell you which, which trials you'll qualify for. And that's based on your subtype. That's based on the number of treatments you've had. So it's very comprehensive. And I know that the Tiger Lily Foundation, as well as Chrysalis Initiative, are working on some trial matching services as well. So you can go to the next slide. So little did I know, while I was looking at spreadsheets all day, and I, I assure you, my eyes were crossing. I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? I didn't realize I was actually training myself to become a research advocate. I don't recommend it to go that way because there's actually all of these other programs and trainings out there. I just didn't know about them. Another reason why we want to do this presentation. So you don't have to be like us trying to find our way in the dark. You can actually know, hey, these these exist. So um these are just some wonderful people and organizations list, listed here. Uh, I think the the one program we've already mentioned it, Project Lead, which was it's the National Breast Cancer Coalition. Um, what we mentioned before with Fran Visco as the executive director. Uh, Project Lead is just an intensive scientific training. It was really where um, I was inspired to create my organization about bringing patients and researchers together. Um, so if you're interested at all in research advocacy, that is like definitely one avenue I would I would check out. Um, 
Susan G. Komen has the Advocates in Science. We listed Alamo on here because the Alamo Breast Cancer Foundation hosts what they call Hot Topic Mentor Sessions, and that's in the evenings at San Antonio. They're awesome. They're really great. Um, and what they do is they literally just go through all the hot topics of the day, and they have a small panel up, and they discuss it, and the patients get to ask questions. So that's why we included it there. Um, Bob Ryder is a, an advocate in New York. He connects cancer survivors with cancer researchers at Cornell University. He's a prostate and breast cancer survivor, very experienced. And at the presentation, I said, if you see him, give him a hug because he's literally the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Um, on the right side here, we've got a bunch of different advocates who are all you know advocates in their own right. They're they're well represented in different conferences. They're mentors of mine. Uh, Sandy Spivey has passed away, but she was a friend, and she actually got me really involved in the Advocates in Science program, which I think is an excellent training program. If I have to say, it's one of the best for learning how to review a grant. I think they give you the most direction in how to do that. So definitely check them out if you're interested. Um, research Advocacy Network was founded by Elder Rayleigh and Mary Lou Smith, and Patient Advocates in Research um, was founded by Deborah Collier. So these are also other resources if you're interested in research advocacy. Uh, all right, next slide. Did, did, uh, did FORCE come up at all? I don't know if you guys have talked about them, but uh, Facing Our Risk of Cancer Empowered is another wonderful organization specific to hereditary cancer and um, also has a great training program for research advocates as well. So I just wanted to throw that oh, in there. Yes, they are coming up, but I wasn't bringing them oh, up good. research advocacy training. So I didn't realize that. That's great. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, see, you learn something new every day. <laughs> so all the folks on that previous slide and the organizations really were the inspiration for the organization. I co-founded along with Julia Malis called GRASP. And GRASP stands for Guiding Researchers and Advocates to Scientific Partnerships. And, um, you know, we were inspired to do this um, after a meeting at ASCO, where I happened to be walking through the conferences, the, poster, the posters at the conference. And I said, I ran into Corey Painter, who I mentioned earlier, uh, cancer researcher and survivor. And we walked through together. And at the end, I said... Why isn't this happening at every conference? I want my own scientific interpreters. So that's what we do. We host these poster walkthroughs. Sandy Stanford is on here because she was the one who really took a chance on us. We kind of accosted her at ASCO and said, hey, we have this idea. Can we pilot it at San Antonio? And we did in 2019. And that's actually Abigail in that picture with the short um, stylish haircut. Um, that is a an actual, you know, in-person First and only, I think we haven't done one since because quickly after that was COVID. So we had to quickly transition to a virtual format. But um, we have selected dates for the ASCO meeting. We will hold these. They're virtually. They happen after the conference. So you're not trying to do too many things at once because the conferences are very busy. Um, and we don't have anything up on that. That is cutting edge information. I have not even updated the website yet, but it's going to happen June 14th and June 15th. Please go to the next slide. So here's where I was going to actually mention force. Um, so, you know, as I said, I hope what we've demonstrated so far is that their patients have really taken upon themselves to address these gaps and research and support. And it could not be more true for these rare and special breast cancer populations. Uh, Lee Pate was the co-founder of the Lobular Breast Cancer Alliance, which really put lobular breast cancer advocacy on the map. Sadly, we did lose her um, this past June. 
but her legacy lives on. She mentored all these patients in Europe, and there's a strong presence there now. And their goal is really to raise awareness about the lack of trials for um, and, and the lack of funding for research for lobular breast cancer. Um, Jenny Mason is a dear friend, also a mentor, and the president of the Inflammatory Breast Cancer Research Foundation. And like the lobular folks, she really works to ignite this interest and passion in researchers to study inflammatory breast cancer. So it's not just about raising awareness to the advocates it's um, and to the patients. It's about raising awareness to the scientists. We also have the Male Breast Cancer Global Alliance and FORCE, as uh, Abigail mentioned. Um, we can go to the next slide. So this is just another initiative that I lead through the Metastatic Breast Cancer Alliance. It was inspired um, after the loss of my friend Marina Kaplan. Uh, Marina had been living with TNBC for almost six years. And in the last year of her life, she developed brain metastasis. And I saw her trying over and over again to qualify for clinical trials, and she could not. And it was really devastating to watch. Around this time, I also lost another friend to um, to. Uh, breast cancer, but she had had brain metastasis. She was on the destiny trial and she actually, her brain mats actually melted away on that trial, but her liver progressed. So um, she ended up dying from liver failure, but it still just showed to me that there was like a real gap here that the patients weren't able to access trials. There wasn't enough, there weren't even that many trials for these patients. And that when it was working, they were still kicked off the trial. So I was very frustrated and, um, you know, I wanted to do something. I went through the alliance to see if we could start this initiative. And these are um, kind of a combination of uh, founding members and current members. And um, we together have identified all these unmet research needs. And we work really closely with experts in the in the um, medical community. Um, from that came a website. If you are living with brain metastasis, I highly recommend you check this out. It's nbcbrainmets.org. It's hosted by Cher, but nbcbrainmets.org is its own website. Um, it's extremely informative. We've got interviews with experts, patients. We've got blogs. We have a clinical trial search engine here specific to breast cancer brain mets. Um, I think it really will give hope to those uh, facing this diagnosis. So I do want to mention one thing. I, I do pride myself on making sure that any project or panel that I am involved in has a person of color. And I want to acknowledge that this slide does not have a lot of diversity. And there is a reason for that. I have lost four women in this group and three of the four were black women. So I, I want to acknowledge that, you know, black women are dying at a 40% higher rate than white women. Um, from breast cancer, and we just need to do much better. So I'm just so grateful for all the organizations and people who are working to end that racial disparity that Stephanie had talked about at the beginning of her talk. Next slide, please. So we still have so many disparities and um, so many lives lost to NBC. Pictured here are over 100 names of people that have died from NBC. And believe it or not, that's actually less than the number of people that die every day from this disease in the U.S., so, um, you know, when I gave this talk, we had scientists, clinicians and researchers in the audience, and I basically pleaded to them to say, please recognize how powerful patients are and how important their lives are and how they can improve your work. They can improve research if you engage us that we can actually accomplish a lot. And for the patients, I really hope that we've inspired you, that you are so much more than your disease, and um, there are incredible things that we can accomplish. And I think our running theme, Stephanie and I had said, we really want 
not to sound too kumbaya, but we want to see more collaboration. Um, many people were surprised at like how many organizations are a lot doing the same thing. And so one of our, you know, kind of take homes is like, if there's something you want to do, try not to reinvent the wheel, go for the people who are already doing this and doing it well and collaborate and um, put the ego aside and let's make sure that we're collaborating, not just advocates with advocates, but advocates with scientists so that we can actually have a fighting chance at ending this disease. And that's all. You can go to the next slide. That's our contact information if you're interested in. Oh, it's 7.57. I didn't even know what time it was. So I'm glad I, I finished on time. <laughs> no, you're great. You finished great on time. And I just want to acknowledge, too, that there, yes, there are a lot of wonderful organizations that you guys talked about, a lot of wonderful advocates that you talked about. How amazing is it there are so many points of pain in the patient experience that patients are creating these organizations to fill the gaps that are really left by by healthcare. Yep. Not to say that there's anything wrong with how healthcare organizations look at things, but we, the people who live with the disease, know how to meet the needs of our community in really different ways. Yes. Um, so, you know, terrible that there's so many points of pain that there are this many organizations, but at the same time, how many wonderful people have stepped into that gap yep. um, as well. Stephanie, did you want to chime in? Not at all. What you're saying is so true. And like um, Christine said, um, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's um, break down some of these silos that we have and put our egos aside. Um, you know, um, there's enough of us dying out here that every organization can have a couple hundred of us, you know, um, yeah. but let's, let's not, keep doing the same thing over and over and over. Let's, let's move the needle just, mm -hmm. just a little bit. Yes, absolutely. And, and one point that is, or one area that's really near and dear to my heart that came up at San Antonio as well um, is that um, there are lots of people who would like to get into advocacy. There are lots of people who would like for their voices uh, to be heard and find a sense of purpose in this very difficult thing um, that, that they're experiencing with a with an MBC diagnosis. And during San Antonio, there was some discussion on social media that there might be a perception that there's a quote unquote in crowd um, in mm -hmm. MBC advocacy. Mm -hmm. And so I want to let you guys know some of these things that um, within the MBC community, we're looking at hoping to move that needle so in um, April, on April 5th, we're going to have a podcast uh, through our NBC Life, which was one of the organizations highlighted tonight, uh, talking about how a person with NBC can get into advocacy. And you're going to hear from Stephanie. She's going to be on that, that podcast talking about how someone of color uh, might break down some barriers and, and enter into advocacy. And then... Um, in the summer, in June, uh, with Project Life, we're going to have an advocacy boot camp where people who have not found their niche, have not found where they fit um, in advocacy can come learn and then be paired with an advocacy mentor. But I'm going to say now what I said on social media during San Antonio, which was, if you want to get into advocacy, find an advocate that is doing the thing that you want to do and ask them. Uh, you just saw, ask them for help, ask them for mentorship, ask to 
you know, how did you do it? Right. You saw Christine and Stephanie's contact information. And I'm just going to say either of them will talk to you if you want to get into the advocacy that they're doing. Abigail, we are overextended. We're tired. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. I have that baton. (laughs) I mean, yes. Any patient advocate you talk to, they're going to say, yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's a lot of work. So there's so much work to be done. There's so many places that we can put you into. Um, we're happy to help guide that and help have those discussions. Yes. And I do not know of one advocate. Maybe there's one out there that, that I haven't met, but I don't know of any advocates who would not at least answer your email and say, here's a couple of things that, that worked for me, right? Yes. Um, the thing that I think is difficult for some people, and this is just my own personal opinion, is that advocacy is based on relationships. And so when you get to know some of the people on the slides, when you get to know the people at the different pharmaceutical companies or um, different researchers, once they know you and feel comfortable with you, you will get more requests than you can handle. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's so important for um, people to get to know each other within the MBC uh, community so that when there's an opportunity, somebody comes to mind. Um, but but also remember just that it's not about an in-crowd or people who are excluded. It really is about relationships and who knows who, who feels comfortable with a particular person. Um, you know, what your advocacy niche is you become known for that in some circles so that people call on you when you fit what they're what they're looking for. And so I just want to put that out there that build relationships within the MBC community, build relationships with the advocates that you want to emulate because every voice, I believe this 100%, every voice is needed. Mm-hmm. All of us speaking up are so much more powerful than just a few people. Um, but at the same time, Nobody has to create a whole nonprofit themselves. Some of the people on these slides have done amazing, amazing work, but you don't have to be a person creating a whole organization to be an advocate or to be to move the needle, to do important things. Even just filling out a survey at your cancer center or at your doctor's office, that is advocacy. That is sharing your personal experience for, for the benefit um, of others. So Lots to come on this because I think it's such a an important thing. And again, I think every person can find their place. Every person has something that they uniquely um, can do. And, and if you are an experienced advocate like Stephanie, like Christine, like so many of the other amazing people, um, find somebody to mentor, find somebody to train, find somebody to replace you <laughs> because we will all reach the end of our energy. We will all reach the end of our spoons. We will all reach the end of what we can do individually and how much more can we do together. So th- there's my call to action for tonight because I think that uh, we really need everybody in order to move the needle as much as it, it needs to be moved. Um, so I know we're at the end of our time here, but Christine or Stephanie, do you have any last words you'd like to share with the audience? No, just thank you. (laughs) Thanks. So I warned you ahead of time. I ask everybody to come up with a word that they feel describes our discussion tonight. And I always call on Laura first so that the panelists can think. So Laura, what's your word for tonight? 
This is my favorite part of the conversation. And Abigail will be very proud of me because normally I come up with a phrase, but I actually have a word this time. <laughs> and my word tonight is plethora, just a plethora of resources and information and relationships and people. And it's, this was phenomenal. Thank you guys. Busting out the SAT words tonight, Laura. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, what's your word for tonight? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I probably a favorite standby is phenomenal. Um, you know, just being um, in the presence of you and Christine and the, you know, what you guys have done in advocacy. It's uh, it's great. And I'm just so um, appreciative of the chances to be able to, to share and to say, you know, it's not all about me. I just want somebody to help cure me or to make sure that my daughter doesn't have to go through this. So, um, phenomenal women. Such an important reminder that so much of what we do in advocacy doesn't actually help us. It helps the people who are coming after us. Uh, But such an important reminder. All right, Christine, you're up. What's your word? Um, Well, I, I think I said the word a lot while I was talking, but inspiration. You know, I think that I hope that you have found some inspiration from these slides. I hope the presentation offers inspiration and, and gives you some hope that if you aren't well enough to do the work, there's a lot of other people that have your back. And if you are well enough, there's plenty of work to be done. So <laughs> happy to help. In oh, that yes. Very true. Thank you, Christine. We've got a couple of people in uh, who are watching, who are throwing out their words. Amy uh-huh. Ellen is saying intrigued. Uh, Gary says cherish. I think that's a that that's a, a different take on what we've discussed tonight. If you guys don't know Gary Thompson, he lost his wife, Maureen, to NBC. And, uh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, Sonobu. I'm so sorry. I've totally butchered your name, but she said thankful. Um, And that was actually the word that I was thinking is how thankful I am that so many of the people um, on the slides dedicated their energy and their lives to advocacy because we are all standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. And how amazing is it to see how many people have worked so hard and then to be able to reap the benefits of those people working so hard. So very thankful tonight to know you, Christine and Stephanie, mm-hmm. um, but but also to have met and gotten to know so many of the people on your slides. Mm-hmm. So thank you both so much for being here tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to highlight just a few things coming up on our SBC calendar. This weekend is our reprisal of the Legacy Workshop for those of you living with MBC. So that is starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Sign up on the events page. Um, If you came last year to our Legacy Workshop, this is designed to build on the last one. However, you don't have to have attended the, the last workshop. You can come cold to this particular workshop as well. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to talking about how to leave a legacy behind and all the different ways that that can be done. And our theme for uh, some of our workshops coming up is going to be surviving survivorship. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, as well as our Thursday Night Thrivers group. Uh, last week was the NBC Breakout Room. So NBC Breakout Room will be next week. And um, if you haven't come to the Thursday Night Thrivers 
uh, peer support discussion laughing group because that's half of what we do. Um, please check that out and RSVP also on the events page. There's also a WhatsApp group to stay in touch with each other in between the actual sessions. And I am currently working on scheduling uh, upcoming webinars for, for March, uh, focusing on working uh, with MBC, um, as well as uh, the process of seeking second opinions. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for, for those uh, webinars. They'll be listed also on the events page. And let me just give the dates. The 8th and the 22nd of March are the, the dates for March. So hope you will join us for one of those events. And Laura, did you want to talk about the new offering in Spanish and the other exciting things at SBC? Sure, absolutely. I mean, just like all the amazing stories that we've heard and the amazing organizations, I mean, there's just so much work to be done. And so one of the areas that we're focusing on um, as of recent is the translation and transcription of all of our programs now into Spanish. And so for anyone who is preferring programming and services in the Spanish language, um, our, our U.S., Hispanic, and Latina, Latino population, or actually global, anyone who's looking for that type of service, um, we have now weekly newsletters. We just launched our podcast, Displaced and Diagnostica, in Spanish as of January. Um, and then now we have our sort of Thursday Night Thrivers. We have our Tuesday Night Thrivers offered in Spanish. Uh, we're starting an embroidery class because the community told us they wanted to get into the arts and crafts and, you know, kind of meet up and, you know, kind of form that type of circle and community. So, again, so many resources. And thank you all for informing us as organizational leaders, so to speak, you know, of what you are looking for and allowing us the opportunity to go out and fight for funding and creating something that you guys can benefit from. So thank you. Thanks, Laura. And uh, we just got confirmation tonight that SBC is going to have a table at the Living Beyond Breast Cancer MBC conference coming up at the end of April. Uh, registration just opened this week. So if anybody is interested in gathering with other um, MBC patients, that is the week of the weekend, the last weekend of April. So the 28th, 29th and 30th in Philadelphia. So yes. I know I'm going to be there. Are you ladies coming? Yes. You know, Stephanie's going to be there. <laughs> Maybe Christine. Uh, so hopefully uh, people will be able to have more of these opportunities to connect in person uh, here in 2023. And the LBBC conference is one of my favorite conferences uh, because it's all MBC people. It's just like a gigantic family reunion. And um, so hope everybody who is able to go will go. Uh, there are travel grants that are open uh, to apply um, on the registration page uh, at livingbeyondbreastcancer.org. So, um, you know, hopefully that finances won't be a barrier. Um, I know we mentioned that a couple of times tonight and uh, financial toxicity can be a really big barrier to participating in a lot of different ways. Um, so always thankful for those organizations that offer travel grants. So hope everybody has a wonderful evening. Thank you again for spending a little bit of time with us. And if there are ever topics that you want us to address, please do not hesitate to let us know. Uh, Laura can be reached at Laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Abigail at survivingbreastcancer.org. And Megan is Megan at survivingbreastcancer.org. So we try and keep always, it simple. <laughs> <laughs> always willing to hear from the community as to what we can do to meet your needs. 
Thank and with you. that, I think we're done. And thank you everyone for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. Our podcasts are made possible because of donations from listeners like you, so please feel free to make a contribution through survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash donate. And there are so many ways to get involved with our nonprofit and our organization, not just through listening to the podcast, but through all of our virtual programming. So you can check out all of our lineups by hopping over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events. And as always, all of our programs, services, and resources are absolutely free. Thanks again and keep on thriving.